thank you for being here today. We continue on with the series that we started last week called Spending Habits. And, and this is what we have done is we've, we've had our Easter season where we talked about how we can be more like Jesus. And we spent several weeks leading up to the Easter holiday talking about how we are invited into this, this, this life, this journey of becoming more like Jesus Christ. And so then we had Easter Sunday and celebrated that the tomb is empty and that there's power in the resurrection and that we actually believe that there can be new life and new hope in our lives here today. And that there's beautiful things that are taking place and are now made possible because Jesus rose from the dead. And so then what we have now done is we've entered into a four-week series, today being week two, of talking about a little bit more specific. We're taking specific themes in our lives and considering how we can be more like Christ as we consider how we spend both our time and our money. And, and hopefully you were even surprised by week one. If, if you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to log on to our website, reachway.org, and we have every audio recording of every message that is given here at Reachway. And so I would encourage you, if you weren't here last week, to, to log on and, and take a listen. Uh, reason being, I, I think it's encouraging for a few reasons, but it, it keeps you up to date with where we're going a, as a church family. But last week specifically, we talked about the why Reachway does the particular things that it does. Last week, we talked about how the church as a as a family and as a body and group of people, um, what it would be good for it to spend its time doing. And so we talked for about 25 minutes about just what the church looked like um, in the scriptures. And then we put some pieces together of why we do things like this gathering, why we do things like neighborhood dinner, uh, why we do uh, things like partner with other organizations and things like that. So I would encourage you to log on and listen to last week's message if, if you did miss it, because it talks about why we do what we do. And what we did talk about last week was that how the church is supposed to operate as a unique witness in the world, witnessing to what it believes is true, but also what it believes is possible. And those are two different things, and those are two key things to not only witness to what we believe is true now, here today, but also witness to what we could believe could be made possible down the road, which is why we invest in households we're not even connected with yet, is because we believe that hope can even enter into those moments as well, and what we believe to be possible is this future hope that is still being laid out before us by God. And so we talked about our unique witness as a grouping of people, as a church. Today, I want to talk about, I want to take things down to the individual. I want to take things down to, to your life. We're going to be talking not about how the church as a group can spend its time, but we're going to be talking about a new rhythm. We're talking about the individual person and how they, how they spend their time as well. We're really just going to focus in on one element of that. But to set up this entire time, I'd like to look at a passage of scripture together that's going to kind of frame up our discussion today. It's going to be found in the Gospel of Mark, which is in the New Testament, and it's the second book in the New Testament. 
We're going to be right in the first chapter, so you shouldn't have to look far. Uh, the words are also going to be on, on the screen as well, but we're going to be in Mark chapter 1, starting at verse 35. Allow me to read what really is just a little snippet. Um, not a lot of detail here, but some actually really exciting things that I, that I personally see happening in this little passage. A lot of things that we can glean about how Jesus spent his time. So let's, let's read these. This is what it says here. It says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Just a real small scene that we get from the author of Mark here um, that I think we can actually draw from some, some really significant and particular things as it comes to the relationship between structuring our time and how that looks like our witness and mission as individuals in the world around us. And to do this, I want to talk about chairs. <laughs> yeah, I want to talk about chairs. Uh, you know, the chairs that your mom or dad had. You know, like, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about comfy chairs that can recline, right? And some of them have built-in cup holders and heating coils. I, I don't know what kind of chair you have, but um, I personally have a, uh, you know, those gliders. It's not, it's not so much a rocking chair, but you kind of glide back and forth, and it has an ottoman, and um, that's my chair, right? And, and you might have your chair. Um, interesting thing about chairs, they come in all shapes and sizes, but we're going to get pretty abstract today. Uh, when it comes to chairs, this is what, this is what I'd like to, to share, and, and indulge me if you would, and, and be willing to uh, perhaps have a bit of an abstract viewpoint on chairs, but hopefully it might make sense at the end of this. <laughs> I'd like to share that it's the kind of world that we live in that determines the need and use that we have for our particular chairs. I'd like to explain what I mean by that. It's the kind of world that we live in that determines the way that we use our chairs. So consider the world that you could live in that is motivated and determined and dictated by what we can call this morning hustle. Uh, perhaps it's work. Perhaps it's employment. Perhaps it's hustle around the house of just keeping after any children or loved ones that you might care for but it is dictated and motivated by the hustle, by the mission, by the, the things that need to be done that generally require lots of energy. Your chair then, or someone who would be living in that world, the primary use of your chair is the place to crash at the end of the day. Um, this is not a bad thing to rest, but the path to that chair is... Uh, the bed you slept in, hopefully the bathroom, 
and then hopefully uh, the kitchen to get some food, right? And then the hustle, whether it's work or an errand or uh, drop them off, pick them up, or, or do the hustling, and then maybe back to the kitchen to grab some dinner, and then it's the chair, and you crash, right? And you've had a day's work. It's in this kind of chair at the end of the day where much-deserved rest takes place. You're worn out from executing the day's mission. You were motivated. You had the thing that you needed to do. You did it. Yes. And the chair is the place that you crash. Other things can happen in this kind of chair, including perhaps trying to forget or escape the day that you just had. Unwind or, or just kind of detox in such a way to where you're almost wanting what happened that day to be the past and stay the past. Uh, perhaps you something happened and it's, it's, it's a place where you really have to mentally deal with something that happened. Maybe this is the, the chair that you sit in and learn from something that happened that day. This kind of world, that kind of chair, what we can conclude there is that in this kind of world, life moves towards the chair. You see that? How everything built up and led up to life moving towards that chair. You knew it was going to be there at the end of the day. You needed it to be there at the end of the day. And that's where you found yourself at the end of the day. Nothing inherently wrong with that. However... I want us all this morning to consider an additional use for that chair that we crash in at the end of the day. I'm not saying remove the crashing. I'm not saying remove the comfort of your chair at the end of a long day. I'm wanting us to consider another use for that chair this morning. So let's consider not first another use of the chair, but another world that we could find ourselves living in. A world that's dictated by, by hustle needs a chair at the end of the day. Let's consider a world that is first motivated by communion with God. Let's talk about fellowship with God and, and really stepping into a calling or mission that, that you think he might have on your life. This is the world that Jesus first lived in. And it's this passage in Mark where that element really, really comes to life. I like to think that when Jesus got up early in the morning, he went to a chair. I don't think he did, but I, I like to think that. <laughs> I, I like to think that when we read in Mark chapter 1 that he got up very in the, early in the morning and went to a, a solitary place, I like to think that he had a secret chair. <laughs> and the path to that chair was the surface he slept on, and then he was in the chair. This kind of life is a life that is lived from the chair. Differences. Differences in worlds, different use and need for, for chair. I'm, I'm wondering if we can expand our imagination about the meaning of your favorite chair this morning. And I'm wondering if we can walk into and embrace not only a life that is lived towards the chair, but a life that is lived from the chair. So those couple of verses we read in Mark earlier, I'd like to actually 
outline five things that I think we can learn about living a life from the chair. Um, Keep thinking with me. Keep indulging. The first one is that the use of this kind of a chair requires an intentional decision. We read it right there in the first part of that passage, is that Jesus got up very early in the morning and he went off. That required an intentional decision. Um, I don't think alarm clocks were things then, but something got him up and when he, you know, when you wake up at the time you don't want to wake up, right? Well, it, it appears that Jesus just got up out of bed, <laughs> which, goodness, that's something I struggle with. You can ask Ty. Um, another thing, though, about this, and, and this isn't just an easy thing to start doing, finding space to be alone and quiet is difficult. It is. And it might be even more difficult in your household than it is for mine, um, just with the, the people living in it. Um, but Jesus does this nonetheless. And this often requires an, an amount of discomfort. We're not only talking about um, it's just early in the morning, but we're also talking about a solitary place. How many places can we actually find in this world, given our life circumstances, where we can actually be alone and be quiet? But what does this require? It requires an intentional decision to, 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 to scratch and claw and to find that place where you can be quiet and you can be alone. I think what Jesus knows is that on the other side of that intentional decision is growth. I think that's something that Jesus knew. And we see it play out um, in not only this scene, but as the rest of the Gospels unfold is that it appears that this is how Jesus began his days. I think we can conclude that. I, I know that this is one particular day. I find Jesus to be one of rhythm and intentionality and pattern, and I think that this probably was one of those. But here's the second thing. This kind of a chair, a life that's lived from the chair, this kind of chair welcomes the presence and influence of God. And we know that just by reading the words, when he got to that chair, when Jesus got to his place, he prayed. And we talk about prayer here all the time at Reachway. We, we, we do pray as a church. But what we believe to be true about prayer is that it is one of the primary moments in which we not only have the opportunity to talk to God, but it's perhaps even more importantly a time to hear from God. It's hard to hear someone when you're talking, right? So I think when Jesus finds a quiet and solitary place, it's so that he can welcome God's presence and God's influence, which I have found to believe, I, I believe to be true, is found in moments of silence. I think there's something to the passage, be still and know that I am God. I think, that actually, I think there's actually something to that. But what that practically looks like for us to do in this world of busyness and, and itineraries and agendas and schedules is to make the intentional decision, be in a safe place, a quiet place, an alone place, and welcome the influence and presence of God. I think what Jesus knows is that he regularly needed moments where he could hear from his Father in heaven 
and where he could put things at the feet of his Father in heaven. The situation, the, the relationship, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the task that perhaps Jesus knew was ahead of him. This is where, before entering the day, where he would be surely pouring himself out and serving others. Perhaps it was at this moment where Jesus needed to be filled up. Perhaps that's what's going on here. Third thing is that this kind of a chair provides refuge from the surrounding attention-grabbing world. I love Jesus' disciples. I love reading about them. Um, I love their passion. But then what we also read is really mirror images of us when we can get anxious ourselves <laughs> and, and when we can perhaps get worried ourselves. And we really do see this here is when they go looking for Jesus and they don't just kind of walk up to Jesus and they say, oh, all right, we, we found him. Here's, we found Jesus. No, they, they're shouting. They're yelling. They, they exclaimed, right? They, they said, where have you been? Everyone is looking for you. You can almost hear when you read those words the anxiousness that's there. What's going on there is really people begging for Jesus' attention. Jesus knows that everyone wanted a piece of him. Jesus knew that his mission in this world was to give. But what he also knew was that in order for him to give to the capacity in which he was being called to give, he knew he also needed to be given to. And it's in this chair, it's in this moment of, of stillness and silence that God, his Father in heaven, was able to give to Jesus. Reminders of who he was and what he was called to do. There is a world that demands attention, but gives nothing in return. There is a world out there that can be lived like that, that demands your attention but gives nothing to you in return, perhaps aside from a paycheck. Jesus chooses to live in a world where there is some cooperation between the giver, Jesus, but then the one giving to him, and that is his Father, our Father, God in heaven. The fourth thing, this is probably my favorite part and the most important part of this list, is that this chair, the life that's lived from the chair, reminds us of our identity and purpose. We can learn that and we can conclude that because right after he is found by the disciples, he immediately goes into what he believes was his mission on earth. They come looking for him. Where have you been? You are hiding. We've been looking everywhere for you. It's time to go. And I think that in those moments of solitary stillness is when he was reminded because he needed that daily reminder, this is why you have come. And so Jesus suggests, let's go preach because I know why I've come. I've been reminded this morning once again, my father in heaven, what my identity is, what my purpose is. 
And so he is able to not get caught up in the chaos of, I know you've been looking for me. Everything's okay. You don't have to worry. He, I really do believe he just calmly gets up off the chair and says, let's go preach. Let's go heal people. Let's go cast out demons. This is why I'm here. So let's go do it. It's in moments of silence and meditation. Hear me. It's in moments of silence and meditation that God reminds you who you are. And hear it from me this morning. You are first a child of God. Hear that this morning. That is what you first are. I know that there are mothers and fathers and grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles and and, and, and I know that is all represented in this room. I want you to know what you are before that, and that's a created, loved child of the Most High. And if you are finding yourself needing that, being a reminder that you need more often than you'd like to admit, find the chair. Make space. It's in the chair that we are reminded of our, de- our identity and purpose where we are reminded that it is he who calls us, it is he who justifies us, and it is he who loves us most. I need that as much as I can get it. I don't know about you, but I do. And the fifth thing in our list of five is that this chair motivates our God-given mission in the world. He was found by the disciples, and so he traveled. You see the things that led up to this? You see how it required an intentional decision. Step one, make the decision. Figure out a way to coordinate with with whoever you live with that there's going to be a space in the house, or I'm going to go off to this coffee shop, or if it's nice outside, I'm going to go find a bench at the nearby park, and, and work with whoever you're with to cooperate and say, I'm going to make an intentional decision. I need to do this, and, and we both need to do this. So I'm going to work with you to make sure that you can have this space and this time as well. The presence of God is welcomed. The influence of God is welcomed after the intentional decision. And Jesus is quickly reminded that he needs refuge from the surrounding attention-grabbing world because here's the deal. When we sit and we can actually lean into a moment of silence, you're going to remember the grocery list. You're going to remember the task list. You're going to remember the reminders that you have to do. You're going to remember the things that you have to do later this week or later that day. And it takes time. And just to kind of put an actual number to it, what I have found to be true is that I need regular rhythms and patterns of anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes of literally me not talking. And the phone is off because I need about 10 minutes to unplug my brain from the attention-seeking world. You know, it exists, not, it, 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 the, the world still exists when you're alone, right? Because the tasks are still there and those are good, worthy things to do, but they can distract us from hearing what we need to hear, which is us being reminded of our identity and purpose. That happens. And then after that happens, we're reminded of our mission. This is why I order this list in particular, is because I think we start with this. 
I think we all have a very clear understanding of what we're supposed to be doing in this life. I'm either I'm caring for people or I'm working a job or you're doing both a lot. Whatever your particular role in life is as well, I think we start with the mission. Why do I believe this? Is because the more and more I talk, I, I'm, I'm not talking about exclusively just anyone here. I'm talking about just Christians I'm able to meet. You want to know one of the hardest things to do? There's research that's provided. There are actual conversations that I've had. It's the quiet time piece of life. That is absolutely one of the hardest rhythms and patterns for Christians to, to step into and adapt to. And I don't think it's because we're bad. <laughs> I think it's because we live in the world that we live in. So to make the decision to unplug from that world and really reverse this order is going from a place of I'll have this kind of quiet time when I can to I'm having this quiet time. And I will do these other things if I can. That's the move that needs to be made. The chair is going to be there at the end of the day for us to relax in. That's a good thing. Keep crashing in that chair. Keep learning from the day in that chair. Don't stop. But let's find one more use for that chair. I, I want our lives to be lived not just towards a chair, but from a chair. And it's this pattern of living life from a chair. It means our energy and our motivation comes from God now. And you don't have to necessarily rely on your own strength in order to do the things that God has, has given you to do. But now if you can live life from a chair, you can make a decision and move from it. All of a sudden you get up from that chair and you're now walking with the Holy Spirit in ways that you never knew you needed until you figure out what that even looks like. That's the goal here. That's the goal. So what does it look like to begin living from the chair? I'm, I'm going to get quite practical, and I, I can only share my experience. As I'm talking, uh, perhaps figure out what might be feasible for you. This is where we're going to get real practical, right? Because we're talking about how we spend our time. By the way, this is what this all is about, right? <laughs> um, so, we're, so right now, if... Maybe this rhythm is already built into your days. Wonderful. Maybe it's built into 50 to 75% of your days. Maybe it's built into 0% of your days. Um, this, this is what I, I do personally is um, get up and get Ty off to school, um, make, make, make sure she has her lunch, right? <laughs> and uh, and I, I make myself a cup of coffee. And I sit in my chair. Um, sometimes I get so annoyed by the, the ticking clock on the wall that I take the battery out of the clock. I really do. And, and you know where this is? It's off in a different room. Because that's what it takes. But, but what does it enable me to do? It, it, it enables me to do my best here. It enables me to do my best at the Dream Center as well. Um, it's, it's a very humbling and surreal moment, and 
like Wayne prompted, I, I don't toot my own horn a lot, but yesterday was a huge blessing for me. Um, people said really nice things about me. Can I say that people are only able to say those things is because I, I, I beg, borrow, and I, and I borrow from Peter's time to give to Paul's time to make sure that God can speak to me on a daily basis. That's the only way that happens. It's the only way that happens. So I, I would encourage you to do it. Mornings are great. I mean, maybe you have a, an alarm that you set every day, and, and if it's going to require you to set that alarm 30 minutes earlier, blame me, please. Because I just believe that much that if we, can, if we can nail this rhythm of not just living life towards that chair at the end of the day, but also starting our days from the chair, I believe, I believe, I believe if we can get there, we're going to see some cool things happen. You're going to see cool things happen just in your heart and just in your household and just in your life. But more and more of us hitting that rhythm and nailing that rhythm and, and making it work and cooperating with, with the high. I look at Tom and Desiree, they've got a fifth on the way, and, and I, I, I can't imagine, but I believe in them. And, and I believe that, that they might find value and meaning in this and that they might, might be better when they do a little bit less for a half hour so that they can do more after that half hour is done, Right? Because that's the weird shift here is I'm asking us to sit and do nothing so that we can do more better. And it might not even be more, but it's just do what you normally do, just a little bit better. A little bit more confident, right? So just an encouragement this morning. I, I think beautiful things can happen in the chair. So that, so that chair that you have, live towards it. Hustle, work beautiful and good things. Unwind in it. Fall asleep in it. But start your day from it, too. Start, start your day from it.